Chapter 34 From Cemetery Girl to the Dark Date Tuesday, October 8th, 3.21pm Subject, I need to know Are you Declan Murphy? If you are, I don't know if I can ever talk to you again. I'm going to lose my mind. She must have sent me the email as soon as school let out because the final bell rings at 3.20. She must have driven straight to the cemetery too. She's sitting in front of her mother's gravestone, writing something longhand. I know this because I'm watching her do it. She can't see me. I'm not standing out in the open. I'm not that brave. No. I'm by the equipment shed, lagging in the shadows like a complete and total stalker. Like Melonhead is patting around in there, and he hasn't seen me yet either. I don't know what she did for the rest of the school day, but I know what I did. I sat in the back of each class and replayed that night in my head. The wedding, the wedding, the whiskey, the impact, the cops. I was only in the car for 15 minutes. That That's documented. I left the wedding at 8.01pm and pl- I ploughed into the pillars of the office building at 8.16pm. 15 minutes. That doesn't seem like enough time to destroy someone else's life along the, with my own. The cops aren't that stupid, right? They would have put two and two together, right? I knew the date. I knew it. That's how this started. I read the letter sitting on the woman's gravestone. I keep thinking about those paths and wonder if ours, mine and her mother's, were set so in, to intersect that perfectly, to collide that perfectly. This makes me no better than my, my father. This makes me worse than my father. Why didn't I succeed? My path was supposed to end. That was the whole reason I got in the truck after all. It should work for Kerry. I should, it should have worked for me. It would have been so much better for everyone. I need to get out of here. I need to go home. I can't go home. I didn't hit anyone that night. I didn't hurt anyone. I know I didn't. I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure at all. I feel sick. I'm going to be sick right here in grass. Did I kill someone? Did I kill her mother? I need Rev, but I need to talk to Rev, but he won't answer his phone. I try again anyway. My fingers are sweaty and I can't get the screen to work. A noise escapes my throat and I fling the phone in the grass. I'm losing my mind. I press my fingers into my eyes. My hands are shaking. Murph? Melonhead is in front of me, peering at me, his eyes concerned. What's going on with you, man? I need to go. My voice sounds like it's ch- I'm choking. I can't do this. What's going on? I turn away and head toward, down the, toward the path that leads to the employee parking lot. Each step feels as though I'm mowing through quick sta- sand. But instead of pulling me into the earth, I am being towed back to Juliet. I need her more than anything right now. I need her. And because of everything between us, I can't talk to her. I can't have her. Melonhead is still beside me. Declan, talk to me. I find my car and fumble with the keys. Twice, the steel prong refuses to slide into the slot. I yell and punch the car with a handful of keys. Steel teeth bite into the palm, in my palm, and I hear metal screak. Hey, hey. Melonhead catches my arm and he's stronger than I expect. Talk to me. Are you high, kid? God, no. I put my forehead against the roof of the car. I wish I were. I need to get out of here, Frank. Please let me go. He inhales. 
and I'm ready for warnings about not fulfilling my community service, about calling the judge, about getting thrown back into jail. Okay, he says. You drive, I'll listen. I drive, but I don't talk. There's something soothing about being behind the wheel of a car, and I'm able to settle into the rhythm of the clutch and the hum of the road. At first, I do a few loops through the neighbourhood where the cemetery sits because I'm certain Melhead is going to tell me that's enough, that I need to get myself together and go back. He doesn't. So I head far, further east, merging into the highway until we're approaching the bridge over the Chesapeake Bay. I'm going to have to shell out six bucks for the toll because I don't want it to stop. Take the Jennifer Road exit, he says. We've been driving 20 minutes, and it's the first word either of us has said. Why? I want to stop at the hospital. My hands grip the steering wheel more tightly. I don't need a hospital. Who said anything about you? We're down here. I'm going to say hello to my wife. That cuts through my self-obsession. My eyes flick over. Your wife is sick? He shakes his head. She works here. I want to surprise her. It's not like I have a planned destination in mind. I hit the turn signal and take the exit. When I parked in the garage, I don't kill the engine. Melonhead unbuckles his seatbelt and hits me in the arm. Come on, Murph. I can't. I can wait. Too good to meet my wife? Get out of the car, kid. My nerves are shot and I glare at him. I'm not in the mood for this. What are you in the mood for? I'm in the mood to crawl into his car and hide there forever. Rev's words keep echoing in my head. Stop acting like such a damn victim. The words hit me like a bullet to the vest, and I'm still sore from the impact. I don't think I've ever heard him swear. I pull the brake and turn the key and climb out of the car. Whatever. Lead the way. The hospital is as busy as it was yesterday. We go in through the main entrance, and people walk in every direction. The people in scrubs and white coats all walk a little bit faster. There's a guy sleeping on one of the waiting room sofas, and a hugely pregnant woman leaning against the wall by the elevator. She's swirling a drink in a plastic cup. The baby is giving her t-shirt a run for its money. A toddler is throwing a tantrum somewhere down the hallway. The shrieking echoes. We move to the bank of elevators too. And Melonhead isn't one of those guys who insist on pressing a button that's already lit. He smiles and says, Good afternoon to the pregnant woman. But I can't look away from her swollen belly. My mother is going to look like that. My mother is going to have a baby. My brain still can't process this. Suddenly, the woman's abdomen twitches and shifts. It's startling and my eyes flick up to find her face. She laughs at my expression. He's trying to get comfortable. The elevator dings and we all get on. Her stomach keeps moving. I realise I'm being a freak, but it's the creepiest thing I've ever seen. I can't stop staring. She laughs again, softly, then comes closer. Here, you can feel it. It's okay, I say quickly. Melonhead chuckles and I scowl. Not too many people get to touch a baby before it's born, she says, her voice still teasing. You don't want to be one of the chosen few? I'm not used to random women asking me to touch them, I say. This is number five, she says. I'm completely over random people touching me. Here, she takes my wrist and puts my hand right over the twitching. Her belly is firmer than I expected and we're close enough that I can look right down at her shirt. I'm torn between wanting to pull my hand back and not wanting to be rude. And the baby moves under my hand, something firm pushing right against my fingers. I gasp without meaning to. He says hi, the woman says. 
I can't stop thinking of my mother. I try to imagine her looking like this, and I fail. I try to imagine her encouraging me to touch the baby, and I fail. Four months. The elevator dings. Come on, Muff. Muff, says the lemon head. Melon. Lemon. Melon head. I look at the pregnant lady. I have no idea what to say. Thanks. Be good, she says, and takes a sip of her drink. The elevator closes, and she's gone. Melon had a striding way and I hustled to catch up with him. We're on a patient floor now and the walls are white and the conversations are hushed. Monitors beep everywhere. I'm still in my school clothes so I'm not too dirty but he's been at the cemetery all day and I keep my waiting for someone to shoo him out of here. A slim, dark-haired doctor is tapping keys on a computer built on the wall and Frank walks right up to her, turns her around and doesn't even wait for her to express a surprise before planting a kiss right on her lips. Clearly, it's a day for people to make me uncomfortable in all kinds of ways. I turn away, trying to find something else to look at. The nurses, the crayon pictures taped up along the wall of the nurse's station. They're speaking in Spanish now and I glance over awkwardly. I imagine their conversation. What are you doing here? Nothing really. I was in the area. Who's the freak? Just a murderer who hasn't been caught yet. My stomach balls it up in knots again. I shouldn't be here. I just don't know where else I should be. Declan, this is Cam- Carmen. I snap back to reality and put my a hand out. Running on autopilot. Hi, I say. Hello, Declan. She smiles at me. Her white coat reads Dr. Melendez over the right breast. When she speaks English, her voice has no trace of an accent. So you're the boy Marisol keeps telling me he's going to marry. I cough. Well, you know, we're taking it slow. Her smile makes her eyes twinkle. Frank tells me you're giving him a ride in the car you rebuilt. I'm impressed. I really thought that it was a dying R. Nah, I don't think it's going anywhere. My neighbour said you picked out the problem with her husband's car in less than 30 seconds. It's quite a talent. I shrug, unsure what to say. I guess I have an ear for it. A nurse walks by and puts a hand on Dr. Melendez's shoulder. Excuse me for interrupting, she says quietly. You asked me to let you know when the test results for 221 were in? Motherhead clears his throat. We'll let you go. I'm glad you stopped by. She gives him another kiss. Less than passion this time. It was nice meeting you, Declan. It was nice meeting you too. And then we're back in the elevator, walking to the car, pulling onto Jennifer Road. We went through all that for you to give her a kiss, I say. He shrugs. What else do we have to do? Mo half the cemetery, but I don't say that. I glance over. We spent more time with the freaky pregnant chick. Maybe one day you'll love a woman enough that a kiss will be worth all that trouble. The thought draws me up short. I'm not sure why, but I'm caught between scowling and blushing. I expect him to tell me to head back to the cemetery, but neither of us say anything else. I don't know where else to go, but I do know I'm not ready to head back there, especially if Juliet hasn't gone home. When I get to the stoplight by Route 50, my other head glances over. Hungry? No. Are you sure? My treat. I look at him. What is this? You give me hell if I check my phone when I'm supposed to be mowing, but now you want me to stop for dinner? He shrugs. We drive. Who's that girl? He says eventually. What girl? The girl you were watching. 
He might as well have punched me to the side. My chest caves in a little, thinking of Juliet. No one. I know her from school. She used to come here all the time. Now I don't see her much. Juliet. Oh, Juliet. I can see her first letter in my head, the words so full of pain that they inspired me to write back. We can see it on her face. Her reality is being ripped away and she knows it. Her mother is gone and she knows it. There is agony in that picture. Every time I look at it, I think I know exactly how she feels. Did I cause that? Her mother died. My throat is closing up and my words sound thick. Ah, that's so sad. My vision blurs and fogs just a little, just enough. I'm glad I'm not on the highway. She died in a hit and run crash. The same night I got drunk and crashed my father's car, truck. His voice is quiet. I see him making the same connections we all did this afternoon. Were you involved? My chest is so tight that I can't speak. I hit the turn signal hard and we pull into a parking lot in front of a strip mall. Once I pull the parking brake, I can't look at him. I fold my arms tight against my stomach as if I can somehow ease the pain. I don't know. And you're worried you were? I don't know. I don't know what I am. I can't figure anything out. He's quiet for a little while and I listen to my breathing, trying to keep it steady. When he speaks, his voice is slow. You don't have to figure it out on your own, you know? There's too much. It's too complicated now. My wife might be the doctor, but I'm not stupid, Murph. Give it a shot. I start at the beginning with the letters against the gravestone, how we started writing back and forth to each other. I tell him everything I told Juliet and everything I haven't told her and describe how difficult it's grown to maintain separate storylines of my own life. I tell him about the night I found her on the side of the road and how she seemed so convinced that I wasn't there to help her and an unwillingness to let her keep on believing that. I tell him about everything, about my father and the auto shop and the secretly driving him around. I tell him about Carrie and how she died. I tell him about my mother and Alan and how I've turned into an outside of my own home. I tell him about the pregnancy they've hidden from me, how every action they take ties her closer to someone else who will let her down. I tell her about their wedding day, about the bottle of whiskey, about the crash and jail, jail cell, and Alan's muttered words, comments about how I'm turning into my father. I tell him how badly I wanted to end it all right there. Frank is a good listener. He doesn't interrupt, and he doesn't say anything except for an, the occasional question to clarify a point. Finally, I tell him about sitting around the lunch table, and how Rev told me off, and how Juliet needed to be taken to the nurse's office after learning the date I wrecked the car. Sorry, the truck. When I'm done, darkness has begun its crawl among buildings along route 50 i feel wrung out and exhausted that's a lot he says when i fall silent i nod i knew the day i say finding it easy to speak now that i'm speaking to the darkness it was the first thing i noticed about our gravestone but i didn't know how she died that came later a lot later and i didn't put those things together until today but you don't remember striking another vehicle I barely remember getting into the car. His shadowed expression is thoughtful. Do you know where her mother died or when? No, I hesitate. I know she was on her way from the, home from the airport in the evening. 
Where did you wreck? Would you have crossed paths? I wrecked on Ritchie Highway. I have no idea. But it all happened in the same country. Yeah, I guess. He rubs at his jaw. Well, the police aren't incompetent, Murph. If you wrecked in the same country, anywhere and at the same time, I'm sure they would have investigated you playing a role in a hit and run, especially if a woman died. The truck was destroyed. They had to cut me out of it. Mum said the only thing that saved my life was a seatbelt because of the way the brick pillar collapsed onto the airbag. Maybe they couldn't tell if I had hit someone. There's still ways to tell. Paint marks, things like that. Don't you ever watch crime shows? For the first time all evening, some of the weight on my chest eases. Really? Yes, really, he pauses. You could probably look up the mother. A fatal hit and run would have been in the news. They might have said what kind of car caused the crash, or at least what colour. His explanation was so reasonable, so matter-of-the-fact, that I want to stop all over the steering wheel, then do cartwheels across the parking lot. But I don't. There's still the rest of it. Do you mind if I give you a few thoughts about everything else? Says Frank. I shake my head. Start heading back. Frank says, I'll talk. I shift into gear. He doesn't make me wait. I think your mother and husband were wrong to keep a pregnancy from you this long, if they were doing it intentionally. But from what you're telling me about the adults in your life, I'm not too surprised. I don't know what you mean. I mean, your parents let you down when you were young, and they seem to keep doing it. I spare a glance at him while I turn back onto the main road. I still don't know what you mean. Damn kid. For the first time, he sounds righteously angry. You shouldn't have been driving your father around. Your mother shouldn't have let it happen. She shouldn't be letting you think it's your fault. I can't imagine expecting Marisol to cover up something like that. And even if I did, I can't imagine Carmen letting it continue. You said you don't know how to apologise to your mother for what you did on her wedding night. Has she apologised to you for what she did? I shake my head forcefully. She didn't. It was complicated. No, it is not complicated. It was a crime, as is, and as far as I'm concerned, your mother bears as much responsibility as your father did. His accent thickens as his anger grows. You're lucky you weren't killed. You were a child, Murph, and you're still a kid, but she's letting you walk around with this kind of guilt. You know why I think she doesn't visit your father? Because she doesn't want to face her own responsibility. As far as I'm concerned, she should be right there next to you, Moe. He breaks off and swears in Spanish. I keep the car between the lines of the, on the highway, but I'm inside I'm spinning out. No one has ever spoken up for me like that. Ever. I'm used to people holding me back and not stepping up in my defence. Even if we, were, we are alone in this car, that makes a difference. It's not all her fault, I finally say. When Carrie died, I think it killed something inside her. She still had you. That's not exactly a prize. I'm not easy to live with, I pause. And I'd ruined her wedding. I don't think they'll ever forgive me for that. Ellen had once. He's still pissed off. That makes me smile. Just a little. Thanks. I say. He nods, but more like he's still thinking. Do your stepfather know everything you told me? I snort. Probably. But you don't know what for sure. Know for sure. What different does it make? He looks at me, his expression hard. That's an important question, Murph. I open my mouth to go off, but then I realise he's right. I try to realign everything I know about Alan, imagining all of our interactions without him knowing my part of in our ha- family history. 
mum and I have never talked about it, not even once. I remember struggling for better grades as if getting an A on a test would somehow make up for my failure to keep carrying my father safe, keeping my room perfect, doing every chore, staying out of her way. I remember how she didn't notice, how I stopped bothering. By the time Alan entered our lives, mum and I orbited different planets. I have no idea how much she told him about what happened. Either way, I'm not sure it matters. I can't undo what I've done. None of us can. I agree with your friend, Ellen Head says. I think you should talk to your mother. That strips a smile from my face. I don't know what to say to her. I glance at the clock on the dashboard. I'm probably going to catch hell for being out past the time my community service ends. He pulls his phone out of his pocket. Give me the number. I'll call them and explain you're working late. Another ounce of weight lifts from my chest. He calls and that's that. I'm not in trouble. It's so simple. I think of Mrs. Hill as staring down at me. If there's a problem, you can just tell me. All the way she accepted my explanation and let me complete the assignment in class. It was just one day, Frank says, when he hangs up. But you can't fix things with your mother or her husband if you continue on this path, right? At the mention of Alan, my thoughts darken. I never wanted to fix things with them. I pause and my voice is quite very quiet. I wanted out. I screwed up. I don't know, Marv. We make the turn into the cemetery and he hesitates as if unsure of his next words. I wonder if you're just telling yourself that. I frown. What? I don't think you wanted to kill yourself. I pull next to his car in the now empty employee lot. Didn't you listen to everything I just told you? Yeah, I did. Maybe you wanted to try to kill yourself, but I don't think you wanted to actually do it. What's the difference? He opens the door and gets out, standing there looking down at me. You wore your seatbelt. I lock my eyes on the darkened windshield. I don't know what to say to that. Feel like helping me tomorrow night? He says, I'll have to work double to get those two sections done. I like how he's asking me. He's not ordering me. I'm free to refuse. I nod. I'll come right after school. We'll get it done. Thanks, Mav. He swings the door shut, closing me in with a little less darkness than I started with.